You know, a lot of organizations have a mission and vision, but more than often, values are not properly operationalized within an organization. But when they are, it really gives a roadmap for staff and leadership to be aligned to each other. And then also it gives so many opportunities for community touch points. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of Be Advised, the Mary Free Bed Advisory Group podcast. Today, we will be meeting with Meg Durr, Program Director of the Mary Free Bed Guild and passionate community advocate. My name is Joelle Pavey. I'm your host for today, and I also serve as the Vice President of Mary Free Bed Advisory Group. Our co-advisors today are Janice Ramsey and Sherry Mullins, who serve as Regional Directors of Care Transitions. Meg, thank you so much for joining us today. You in the Guild are such an integral part of Mary Free Bed, and we're so excited to share with our listeners how the Guild supports the mission of Mary Free Bed, as well as your passion for community advocacy. Would you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and all your community involvement? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I think they're so great. I listen to them in the car. I listen to them when I'm running and I haven't been on very many of them. So I appreciate you inviting me to be on your podcast today. So you asked me about my background. I have spent my career using my communication skill and strategy expertise to bring clarity and vision to nonprofits as they tell their story. And this has been done in the marketing space as well as the philanthropy space. Um, I I spent my years as a traditionally employed leader in the healthcare sector, in higher education, and in social services. And about three years ago, I decided to start my own company and founded Greater Good Partners, which is the most brave and invigorating experience I've ever had in my career. And it's been terrific. I've loved it. And so over the last several years in my consulting practice, I've been working with nonprofits, mostly in the change management space. So I've served in interim roles. I've assisted with a merger. I've been, I've worked with organizations creating community engagement strategy, which I know we're going to talk about today. And I've done some um, leading of generational change in some organizations. Um, And I love my paid work, but as much as I love it, I am equally, if not more passionate about my unpaid work or my community involvement, as you called it uh, at the top of the question. I, uh, Meg, I remember the first time I heard you speak, you were so passionate about your community involvement. And that's one of the main reasons we have you on this podcast today is just to really learn about how you're changing lives of individuals in your community. Thank you. You know, I I became inspired to become intentional about my community engagement after attending a program called Leadership Grand Rapids in 2014. Um, before that time, I had really not done a lot of community engagement work, but after finishing the nine-month intensive program with a curated cohort of 33 other passionate leaders, I got really serious about what I consider now to be my calling to be a community trustee. 
When I referenced your speech earlier, I distinctly remember having a thought during your presentation. I think it was at LDI, um, the first one I ever intended. And for the audience that doesn't know what that is, that's our Leadership Development Institute we have. And you stood up and you were telling us that we had to find a passion, find something um, in our lives that, that triggered our passion, and then find a way to turn that into serving our community. And because of you, I I do that every single time now. So every decision I make, I'm like, what's the greater purpose and how can we better serve, you know, the most vulnerable individuals, whether it's the elderly, the disabled, um, or those individuals that we come in contact with every day that have extenuating life circumstances. And because of you, I'm framing some of our program development that we're doing, some of our care transition program was built off of that same passion and just the way that I interact and have more compassion for individuals now was because of of you helping me connect those dots um, during that presentation. That's really incredible. I I'm so grateful to hear you say that. It's it's really cool to think that something I'm passionate about can infect somebody else and I just feel so I feel like that's such a compliment. So thank you for letting me know what I did that day. And I I do this um, in other workshops or with individuals sometimes as well, is I led the group through a series of exercises that ended up um, bringing them to the point of writing a community impact statement that could really help them focus on how they wanted to um, impact their community. And so the first exercise is really a, a core values exercise. In, in the LDI, I had people um, do, think about that before they came and bring their core values to the workshop. And there are some, you know, lots of resources out there. If you, don't, if you haven't done this before, you can go online and, and it just takes you through some questions to help you identify. Usually it's helpful, your top three, or three to five core values. And once you identify those core values, it brings clarity to the question, why do I serve? The second exercise is an assets reflection, and this really helps participants identify the skills and life experiences that they bring to the community. So they can um, list out, they can reflect back on what are the things that, you know, the skills that they have both in their professional and personal life and also the, the experiences that they've, that they've come across in their life that inform how they would, uh, how they would engage with the community. And this exercise answers the question, how do I serve? And then the third exercise guides the participant to answer the question, who do I serve? And this question is answered by reflecting on your personal passions, like you mentioned. And usually these passions will be centered around a particular either issue or geography or group of people. And sometimes those things overlap. But you might be really passionate about um, because of your life experience um, or because of a particular group of people that you have worked with, for example, people with disabilities might be something that you're really passionate about, um, or children, or your, as far as geography or your state, you just, you Mm -hmm. identify, you sort of settle on um, where does your personal passion lie in order to answer the question, who do you serve? And then the final exercise answers the question, what is my focus? So in that exercise, I take the participants' core values, their skills and life experience, 
and then their passion for making change in the community, and they create an impact statement. You at the at the last exercise, you fill in the blanks to this statement. I bring to my community blank, and you fill in your your skill and life experience. And I'm committed to making the world a better place for blank. And that's where you can fill in who you're passionate or what you're passionate about serving. This just brings clarity as you look for community engagement opportunities. And I'm grateful that this workshop that I did with uh, the Mary Freebit LDI was helpful to you, Joyelle. You know, I, I remember sitting there and I, I was like, Mary Freebed is who they are. And, and we do what we do because everybody has this not only professional mission statement, but this personal mission statement of what they hope to achieve in life. And, you know, everybody wants to leave a legacy and be able to just know that they've done something for the greater good of, of, of those that we're serving. So you do all this stuff with our community. You have your own business, but you're also part of our women's guild at Mary Free Bed, which is very closely tied into those questions that you just gave us about creating our impact statement. You guys are serving others and you're, you're impacting not only the employees at Mary Free Bed, but the patients we serve. So could you also tell our audience a little bit about the Guild and who these women are and what you all do? I would love to do that. So the Mary Free Bed Guild founded Mary Free Bed Hospital in 1891. Uh, many, many hospitals in the United States were founded by um, women, uh, many were founded by sisters, um, nuns, or women's guilds or groups like the guild, and we um, were no exception. I think the exceptional thing is that we are still the sh- the sole shareholder of Mary Freebed Hospital, and have been the keeper of the culture for the past 130 years. We are made up of about 120 women who are all volunteers. We have four pillars, ways that we engage with the hospital. We are actively engaged in patient experience, with employee appreciation, with hospital and guild governance, and also with community engagement. So each one of those areas, we have many ways that we, activities and committees and ways that we uh, engage with Mary Freebed, and then the external community as well. Yeah, we are so thankful for our guild and, you know, all the services that you provide at Mary Freebed. And it's always so fun to walk around Mary Freebed and see you all interacting with our patients and our staff or see you in our offices and all these great events that you hold for all of us um, and the time and, and, and service that you all bring. We're just so grateful for that. And we can't thank you enough. So Meg, I heard that you recently took on a new role um, with the Mary Freebed Guild. Can you tell us a little bit more about that role? I will. I'm, I'm really excited to be the program director of the Guild. We, over the last 130 years, have really operated in a very grassroots way, uh, organizing ourselves as volunteers and then borrowing uh, a hospital employee when we needed um, any help. And so this past year, the Guild decided they wanted to hire an employee of their own, and um, they hired me. And I had been serving on the Guild for six years, so it's a, it's a great transition for me to go from 
guild member slash volunteer to paid employee and it allows us to, uh, we really just hope to become even more effective for the hospital. You were talking today um, about community involvement, how the guild has these four pillars that you all work with. How does the work um, that you do on the guild and through your own business help us um, as staff and leadership to work towards not only improving our organization, but also strengthening the community that we work in? You know, I really feel like Mary Freebetter, any organization can become more strengthened in their community, outward community engagement when their values are operationalized. You know, a lot of organizations have a mission and vision, most of them do, uh, sort of the cost of doing business. And some organizations have identified values and maybe gone through a similar discernment process as I had described above um, with you earlier in the podcast, um, identifying values. But more than often, values are not properly operationalized within an organization. And but when they are, when they are implemented, it really gives a roadmap for staff, for staff and leadership to be aligned to each other. And then also it gives so many opportunities for community touch points that really can become mutually beneficial for the organization as well as the community that the organization is um, investing in. That really is um, what Mary Freebet is about, about. You know, we embrace these values and... I always um, tell people when I'm speaking about the guild, you all help us live it. You help us live our values. You help make sure that our values are reaching the patient, the the staff members, um, and our community. And I just, again, I think you bring such a unique um, perspective to our organization. And it really makes sure that we're true to our mission of restoring hope and freedom, to serving others, um, and just being compassionate, caring individuals. And, and you don't let us lose sight of that. You are listening to Be Advice, our Mary for Bed Advisory Group podcast. Here's Sherry Mullins, Regional Director of Network Care Transitions, with our next question. One of my first questions is, what do you see as the role of not-for-profits in serving and educating the community? I love this question. I'm so glad you asked it. It's a particular passion of mine um, because as my, especially when I have been engaged with in the philanthropy sector, most of the time on the asking side, so fundraising side, I've also spent some time on the fund giving side, but much of my time in philanthropy has been spent on the fundraising side. It feels to me like many times nonprofits are 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 seen as receivers from the community. Um, and this shows up a lot of times in the funding space. Uh, because most nonprofits are dependent on contributions, grants and gifts. But I don't often see the business community or the greater community looking to nonprofits as partners. And one of the things I'm pretty passionate about is a reframe on this relationship. I really believe that nonprofits and for-profits should be collaborating to solve problems. And the problems in our community, the issues that we face cannot be solved by just nonprofits or just for-profits. They really have 
to be solved together. And these organizations, when they come together, should be looking to each other for mutual benefit. So one of the great things that nonprofits can give to the community is education. They're, you know, depending on what sector a nonprofit's in, usually they're a content expert in whatever they're doing, in whatever they're giving to the community. And the business community should be looking to nonprofits to educate themselves, to be educated, I should say, in their particular content expertise. And shouldn't always look at the nonprofit community as just receivers of charity. And so... I love how you frame the question because you're asking, you know, what is the role of nonprofits in in the community? And I do believe clearly serving is one role because most of the time, I mean, they're they're set up at, by definition to not be making a profit and for their mission to be um, serving the community. But I do believe they have a very important role in education and a very important role in collaborative problem solving with the business community. Perfect. So with that said, how does healthcare as an industry really help and better the community that they serve with that whole picture in mind? That's a that's a great question. I mean, I guess there's the obvious that healthcare by definition is created to care for the health of the community. So there's that. But certainly there are many ways healthcare as an industry can contribute. Um, I guess a few things that come to mind. One is education. I just talked a little bit about that, but there are so many opportunities that can be created by healthcare to educate the communities that they're serving. I mean, I think about this pandemic that we're still living through and how important healthcare has been to the communities that they've been serving to help educate on the facts of what's been happening and helping our communities um, make good decisions and choices about how to keep each other safe. And so certainly education is something. And I guess I'll, I'll use the word charity care, but I think even bro- more broadly, I believe healthcare organizations should be using the lens of those who are mis- most disadvantaged when deciding things like location, access, patient experience. I mean, they have the opportunity to take that lens and use that to really make decisions that will have the most impact in their community and to remember and realize not everyone has insurance. Um, not everyone can get to your hospital. Not everyone has the resources to understand what to do when they're feeling sick or when something happens to them. And so if healthcare organizations can use that lens of, you know, those who are most disadvantaged when making big decisions, their impact will be broader and felt by more people in their community. Excellent. You talked about the pandemic and how devastating it has been to the healthcare industry. So the Guild actually has a lot to do with our staff engagement and things that we do with the Mary Freebed program. So kind of talk to us a little bit about some of the ways that you would, you're engaging with staff and, and with patients as well. Sure. So patient engagement There are lots of ways that we're part of the volunteer core here at the hospital. We have a hospitality cart that we take around to patient rooms and has all kinds of 
fun, cool stuff for patients that they enjoy receiving. So we really partner with the hospital on, you know, what are they doing for patients and how can we come support? You know, our primary role from the very beginning has been caring for the caregiver and employees here at this hospital, we believe are the biggest asset that we have here at Mary Freebed. And we believe so strongly that this place would not be what it, what it is without all of the individuals who serve our patients. And so we take our role very seriously with um, making sure that our employees feel like they are celebrated, like they are appreciated. And so we have a calendar of events throughout the year, every other month at least. There's something that we're doing, either hosting an event or a celebration for our employees. And it can be as uh, broad as a, a holiday celebration where we bring a cookie and coffee cocoa card around. It can be fun. We do a, a pumpkin carving contest uh, around Halloween time here at the main campus and departments can carve a pumpkin and we judge it and give out prizes and serve cider and donuts and we'll be doing that here at the end of October. Um, we have recently initiated a new program that's much more personal where we're celebrating five employees a month who've been recognized by our patients through the patient employee surveys that we deploy and we pick five out of the many who are identified every month and give them a coffee cup. We call it Hope in a Cup. And they get a coffee cup from the Guild and they get a, a, a coffee gift card in a, in a personal note thanking them from the Guild, thanking them for what they do for, for our patients. That's one part of what we do. But we also um, financially support our staff and employees uh, the Guild Fund grants over a million dollars every year out of our endowment, and 60% of those grants go to hospital initiatives. So here at Mary Freebed, employees or departments can apply for those grants. Uh, we really enjoy seeding new initiatives. We love getting ideas off the ground. Um, we funded things like research. We funded a gate lab here at the hospital. We've been a big supporter of wheelchair sports and rec therapy. And that's just a few things that we've um, funded over the years. You're listening to the Be Advised podcast. If you'd like more information, please email us at advisorygroup at maryfreebed.com. Here's Janice Ramsey, Regional Director of Network Care Transitions, with our next question. So Meg... I had a few questions that kind of follow up on um, based off what Sherry was saying earlier too. Is you mentioned that not everyone has access to healthcare. How do we, as healthcare providers, really work to align ourselves to have better access for everyone? Wow, I'm pretty passionate about this too. Um, this idea of access for everyone takes so much collaboration. I mentioned that before. And really just appetite for hard work and smashing barriers. I mean, I feel like this is the long game. Um, this kind of change really needs a leader. I really believe this sort of system change just never happens unless one organization steps up and commits to being a convener and really sticks with it. I mean, it's really a matter of a leading person, organization saying, we believe in this 
this is a priority for us and we're going to bring together all the players and get in a room and hash it out. Um, it, it includes little everyday changes that are easy to implement, but it also includes very difficult policy changes that may take years, could even take decades to to change. And so, frankly, this is really where we see the values of an organization take take shape for the greater good, ultimately having everyone having access to great health care is should be all of our goal, but it's it takes us all working together, marching together to make it happen. Thanks, Meg. And I think another thing to really think about too is like, you know, it's great to have access to health care. One thing that people don't think about with healthcare is is the rehab and the wellness side of it. How do we go about changing kind of that mindset and really showing the focus and the value of rehab and wellness to the greater community? I wonder if rehab and wellness sometimes feel like a privileged thing. Sometimes insurance doesn't pay for that. And so it's almost like how can you figure out a way to introduce the concepts to communities who maybe have never had access to to that before to wellness and rehab i would challenge these industries to look for ways to to reach those who traditionally don't have access um and probably part of that is not expecting them to come to you but but creating spaces and opportunities for communities who haven't experienced these things to experience them in their communities Um, And also maybe supporting employees who want to try new ways of delivering services. This probably will take some thinking, creative thinking, uh, really outside the box. And so supporting a culture that uh, allows clinicians to be creative about how they who they reach and how they reach them and and how they bring wellness and rehab to communities that haven't traditionally had access. And I think, Meg, that kind of speaks to, like, when you walk around the Mary Freebay campus, you see pictures on the walls for the different uh, former patients uh, that have been part of the wheelchair and adaptive sports, which I think feeds into the rehab and wellness conversation. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Guild's involvement in these activities and how this really aligns with the overall drive to be mission-focused here at Mary Freebed? You are absolutely right. Uh, wheelchair and adaptive sports is has been a passion of the guilds for many years. Before it was even part of Mary Freebed, it was a community offering. It was a small nonprofit, and the guild funded it for many, many years and um, volunteered, was very engaged with with wheelchair and adaptive sports. And then it became part of Mary Freebed, which we were very excited about. And we just continue to support it both financially and and physically in person as as i said as volunteers we just so strongly believe as i know mary freebed does as well in hope for healing our patients bodies but also providing the possibility of freedom which is what really wheelchair and adaptive sport speaks to i mean that is you know, as patients leave our hospital, they become alumni of Mary Freebed. They go on to live incredibly fulfilling lives. Their lives might look a little bit different depending on their uh, physical ability, but 
a wheelchair and adaptive sports program that's vital, just gives people the ability to get back to recreation, to stay active, to engage with other people in a fun way. And it just is a benefit. We believe very strongly that it is a benefit for both our current patients and our just the disability community at large. And so the Guild is is and always will be uh, huge fans and supporters of wheelchair and adaptive sports. So Meg, another big uh, event that the Guild is involved in is the um, race here in Grand Rapids. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. You know, the Guild's community engagement is a pretty important part of what we do. And I'll mention, I was mentioning the funds that we grant out and 60% of our yearly grants go to the hospital and then 40%, the other 40% go to support community events and organizations that serve the people who have graduated from Mary Freebed. So we're very clear on supporting other nonprofits in the community that serve our former patients. And one of the things that we do is we um, created and support the wheelchair and hand cycle division of the Amway Riverbank Run, which is a large 25K, 10K, and 5K race here in Grand Rapids that has been around for over 30 years. And it's one of the only... 25k events for wheelchair and hand cycle athletes in the country and so we get many many athletes from all over even international athletes that are competing and the guild's role is we put up the purse so we 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 grant the prize money and then we also uh, have a a tent for the athletes and a reception for the athletes and we're very involved in we know them we love having them back every year And so it's just another way that we can show our support of the, um, the disability community in our, in our area and just support the overall mission of Mary Freebed and how it extends into the community. And I guess is a, another great example of the guild's community engagement and how we we're committed to what's happening here at the hospital, but our commitment extends to, the people who've been served here and after their alumni and as they go on to lead lives that are fulfilling and um, we want to be part of that as well. You do that in another way too. I think some of this beautiful artwork that's all throughout our building and the Inn at Mary Freebed, that the Guild may purchase um, a piece of that art from individuals who have disabilities every every year or every couple of years. So we sponsor an art show here at the hospital every year and have for many, many years. And you can participate in the art show if you live in Michigan, you're over the age of 18, and you've done your art after you had acquired your disability. So all the art that is entered into the art show is done by people with disabilities, and the, we open up the art show to the hospital community, the community at large. Many of the art pieces are for sale. The guild gets first dibs, so we buy art every year. Every piece of art that's hanging up in our hospital is done by a person with a disability, and many of those pieces were purchased through the art show. That's another great way to showcase how we um, support 
and um, really create an opportunity for artists to come in and show their art, sell their art, and display it in a, in a really beautiful way. And we look, everyone looks forward to that every year. Yeah, I mean, that artwork is just truly amazing and just beautiful. Um, I stay at the inn once in a while as I'm on the road a lot and, and stop off in Grand Rapids. And I remember one night I just took a cup of coffee and walked through our halls and looked at all that beautiful artwork, and it's so impressive. And then when you start reading the little plaques and the stories behind some of that artwork, it's it's very um, easy to get emotional when you're looking at some of that. And, and that's just another beautiful way that you all are giving back to our community, and we appreciate that so much. Um, Meg, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. We are so fortunate to have you be part of Mary Free Bed and our community. You know, you hit on the hope in the cup um, today. And, and for our audience who maybe um, doesn't understand why Mary Free Bed uses the word love and hope, it's almost part of our core values at Mary Free Bed. Of course, it's honesty, integrity, respect. But at Mary Free Bed, we're really committed to working collaboratively and innovatively with others. We include people whose diversity reflects all those we serve. We commit to being truthful and respectful, we, and we heal with our hands and treat with our hearts. So we always use the acronym uh, with joy. So we approach our work with joy. And the Guild helps our, our team and our employees approach that work with joy. And they also help our patients. Um, approach life after their injury or illness with joy as well. And so we just really appreciate you providing a more in-depth perspective regarding our mission and helping us understand that through your work and the guild, that restoring hope and freedom through rehab not only extends to the services we offer here at the hospital, but it also means that employees and as individuals were being good stewards in our community. So thank you everyone for joining us today. If you'd like more information regarding the topics that Meg talked about in today's podcast, please feel free to email us at advisorygroup@maryfreebed.com. Until next time, be community servants, be passionate about rehab, and be advised.